that generally say that? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Portal to the Paranormal Thriller Podcast. Um, thank you for joining. Um, whoever's in the room, uh, you know, leave a comment. But tonight we welcome the face of Portal to the Paranormal, the owner, Daniel Winter. So, guys, like I said in our comments recently, if you've got anything that you want to say, um, shoot your question across and we'll get Dan to answer them for you. Um, but let me bring them on for you. You all right, Daniel? Good evening. You say the How face of the paranormal. I think that's more you. You're the face of us. Okay, the 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 person that owns Portal to the yeah. Paranormal. So we've got the boss on live tonight. Um, you know, thank you for you know coming on camera and you know talking to everyone. Hopefully, people get involved and ask their questions as well. Um, but what we'll do is dive right into it. And you know, for most common question that we sort of ask people is how their journey began in the paranormal field. So for you, how did this all start for you? So I first uh, took a, a liking or interest in the paranormal when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old, uh, watching TV programs like Most Haunted on TV. Um, I grew up watching things like that and movies like Paranormal Activity. Um, and it's just always something that I was really interested in. Um, I always knew that I wanted to look into it a little bit more. It was just about taking that initial plunge to go on an investigation. Um, so, yeah, so watching TV programmes like that, spending nights going to haunted locations um, just for a walk around and stuff like that. So, yeah. Brilliant. And, you know, you so you started going into haunted location. Was that going with other companies to start with? Yeah, so I first started... Um, with uh, a group called Portsmouth Ghost Club, who are now uh, disbanded and no longer um, a group. Um, but it, was, uh, it wasn't necessarily nice indoor warm locations. We started off going to locations like Clapham Woods, uh, Waverley Abbey, which were all kind of outdoor, free to every, uh, everyone to go to. Um, and yeah, I went on many investigations with them, really, really enjoyed it. And then they ultimately ended up closing down due to the people that ran it moving to different areas in the UK. Um, and then I went to some investigations with the most haunted experience. So to go and spend nights with the likes of Carl and Stuart and Yvette and people like that and had an absolutely amazing time. And I knew straight away from then that it was something that I was interested in and wanted to go and do more and more. And what did you do to build your knowledge in the paranormal field? So to become an investigator, what did you did you teach yourself? Did you learn from other people? How did you get knowledgeable about all this? So I mainly gathered most of my knowledge from uh, from the people that used to lead the other teams, um, people that I work with and still work with now that work for our company um, have, have given me most of the knowledge that I know. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of learned from what you see on TV, then applying it yourself practically and then also learning and getting mentorship from other people. Yeah. And since, um, you know, with the paranormal field, um, you know, we're diving into controversy a little bit here. You know, you say that you've watched a lot of TV programs. Since doing this yourself as 
in a way like a professional yourself in the paranormal do you find that things are not always as they are when you watch it on tv does it sort of change your perception of you know you've grown up watching these programs thinking this is great but now you're doing it yourself do you find that things may be staged a little bit more than what they show yeah potentially um i think uh yeah certain t there's tv shows that you watch and there's always activity that goes on um and then when you come to do your investigations of your own obviously really get to spend usually about six hours at these places and of that six hours probably four hours of that is investigating the rest of it is taking breaks and introductions and stuff like that um and you don't get as much activity as what you're expecting especially when you see it on the tv but you know i am very aware that most of the tv programs we see on tv as well there's hundreds of episodes that they've recorded where nothing happened and they don't broadcast those episodes so you only ever see the episodes where there's loads of activity um so there may be some staging there may be some kind of skylarking but i do believe that there's a lot of stuff that they can't share because there's nothing that's happened so they don't mm -hmm. they don't share it not entertainment for people to watch you know a group of people sat in a room asking for stuff to happen and nothing happening so brilliant and you know we know that you've been doing this for eight years working with a previous company and then you started portal to the paranormal in 2020 during the covid period wasn't it like you yeah. made the announcement and at the time you know that was a very risky time to start during covid as well you know trying to put a company together um you know what was the process of getting that all set up you know for someone that wants to start something like this what was the process that you went through um a very surprising one you'd think it'd be quite easy just to kind of start a company and go with it but there's so much that goes into it with the likes of the insurance the website the uniform and actually getting people that are interested to come and work as part of the team um i was very fortunate that i had a big group of people that were very supportive towards me um and had the same passion and drive that i had and they're still with us now working for portal to the paranormal very happy with that um and yeah i, I generally don't think it without the support of everyone that works for us at the moment uh we wouldn't be where we are so it's been, it's been a it's been a great journey so far and so much more yeah. to come you know so we're i think we're we're just touching you know we haven't achieved the goals that we're going to go for just yet i think there's plenty more for us to come um and with regards to location wise then you know we've done quite a few locations since we've started port to the paranormal Where, where's your favorite location that you've done so far previous or current with port to the paranormal um so i'd probably say the one that always stands out to me is hmp shrewsbury the president up in shrewsbury um, I've been there three times now and every time I've left with something amazing that's happened. Um, if it's disembodied voices, uh, shadow figures that we've seen, amazing EVPs that have been recorded. Uh, it always, always stands out as one of my favourites. Um, another one that stands out quite a lot is the Hippodrome Theatre in Eastbourne, um, which we, we don't believe they do events there anymore, but we managed to go there once. And the amount of evidence that we caught there with pictures of uh, shadow-like figures and stuff like that, hands uh, behind the seats in the chairs, like so much activity and we've not been able to go back there again. So that's somewhere that I'd definitely love to go. But yeah, Han you know, yeah, H&P Shrewsbury, absolutely phenomenal there. Really, really good. And you were saying about the disembodied voices that you've picked up. Um, a lot of people seem, we seem to pick up a lot of through EVP recordings, the spirit box and things like that. And sometimes, um, you know, a lot of people refer to, you know, straight away, they think sometimes it's a a demonic entity, 
you know, they think it's something evil. Um, what is your thoughts on that when, when we pick up things from the EVP recording? Do you think straight away it's something that could be demonic or do you think it's just a normal spirit that's just trying to communicate? Um, I, I, I tend to think a lot of people jump straight away the minute they hear anything that seems negative or a spirit that says something bad, the word demonic or demon gets thrown around far too too much. Um, yeah. For me personally, I've never experienced anything that appears demonic or anything like that. So I, it's kind of hard to say what I think is or isn't demonic uh, when I've not really come across it myself. I think a lot of it is just spirits that want to be heard and they're using any kind of mechanism or form that they can to actually to, to let us hear them. Right. And with, with regards to when we do events, you know, some of the things that we do do that gives a comfort to a lot of our guests is we do a protection chant at the start of things. Um, now, I was speaking, I don't know if you saw, we had Karen Frey on last week. And I asked yeah. her the question, with regards to when we do these protection chants, do you think that they do protect us or do you think spirits are stronger than what the protection chant is? I just want to get your thought on that. Um, I think they do protect us. Um more for our personal sake i think it gives you that kind of comfort knowing that at any point you can return back to that white ball of light and use that as your protection throughout the night um i think that's enough to kind of give you that warm fuzzy feeling inside that if stuff does start getting gnarly or a bit crazy you can just return back to that nice kind of relaxed state with the white ball of light and that should clear it um from my own personal experiences i've always found that doing the protection stuff at the beginning helps um just, just makes you feel a bit more easy and, and relaxed on the investigation. I think especially if it's a new, someone new to coming to an yeah. event, I think it's important to set the foundation and make them feel at ease. Um, yeah. But I know sometimes when we go off and do our own thing, we just get straight into it sometimes, see what we can pick up, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing that is very common, a lot of the events happen during the night. Do you feel that spirits are more active at night or do you think it could be the same if we do an event during the day? Um, it's a good question because we don't ever really tend to do much in the day. Um, the question that gets asked of me a lot is, oh, do the ghosts only come out at night time and stuff like that? And obviously we all say the only reason we do it at night time is because we're potentially taking away one of your senses, which is the sight, which will heighten everything else that you'll experience throughout the night. Um, I think spirits can be active at all times of the day, especially, uh, you know, we speak to quite a lot of venues when we look to hire them and get kind of witness statements or case studies from people that work there. And a lot of the activity they experience is in the daytime, um, just subtly when they're working away, they'll hear something, see something. Um, but yeah, I think it's just because we investigate at night times and it's the only time we can get into these places when they're not working or operational. Yeah. It's the only time we get to experience it. So do you feel that if we was to do something during the day, we may get the same activity that we do in the evening? Yeah, definitely. definitely. And you were saying about all the evidence that you've picked up over the years when doing these investigations. Um, what's the best piece of evidence you've ever picked up? It's a good question. Um, I, I personally think uh, video evidence has got to be the, the balls of light and stuff like that that we've caught whilst at Wimmering Manor, there was the one with you in it um, at the top of the balcony, that weird ball of light flew in your position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the stuff we caught at Merley House as well, the the kind of, it looked like a, somebody walking through a doorway that then led to another doorway, but it was bricked up and it was kind of seen on the camera walking across. 
that was amazing. Um, and I also think we caught some audio evidence at HMP Shrewsbury, which is where we had this growl um, and stuff like that caught on, on EVPs. Absolutely amazing. Um, the evidence just keeps rolling in. Obviously, the evidence we've just put on our Facebook page and TikTok page of the weekend just gone uh, with you guys in the church with the cat ball moving at the same time the woman's voice comes through and says, get out. It's, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Less, less Luke, because he's... Luke, um, he's coming like a bit of the cameraman, but he's getting really involved with all the the experiments as well. And his face was a picture when it happened. <coughs> he sort of froze for about a second, and he was like trying to digest that. Did that really happen? Um, and it's amazing because he's come in fresh, not knowing what it could be like, and he's already in a short space of time he has seen so much that sort of changed yeah. his way of thinking. And I think that's the great thing about what we do and what other companies do, like doing events. Because a lot of people come as, you know, sceptics and they don't believe. And then something happens that totally changes their thought process completely. Um, yeah. You know, and with regards to equipment, then, you know, we use a lot of equipment. For you, what is your best bit of equipment? What What is your go-to piece of equipment? Um, I, I absolutely love the Spirit Box. Spirit <laughs> Box is one of my favourites. Um not only does it kind of give you amazing results, it also, you know, if you're sat in a room in the dark and you've got that white noise bursting through a speaker, it also kind of just gets a hair stood on there and gets you, you know, quite nervous, which is good. Sorry about the dog. Um, also the REM pod as well. The REM pod is another piece of equipment that's probably one of the most expensive in most paranormal um, investigators kit bag. And it only ever goes off when there's contact. You can sit in a room with it for six hours and nothing will happen. Um, um, the one time that it does go off, it just proves that there's some amazing evidence there. Yeah, I think the night that, you know, one of the nights that, you know, sticks up for me was when we went to Antwerp in Manchester and we were doing a spirit box session. I think it was me, you and Nikki down in the basement. And, yeah. you know, it was like nothing was happening. And then you started playing a game. Do you want to tell people about this game that you started playing with the spirit box? Yeah, so so we sat down in the basement um, and there was loads of voices coming through and we were kind of like, oh, can you tell us your name? And you hear a noise come through and you instantly go, oh, I think that said Pete or something. You kind of instantly draw to a name. So I said, okay, let's tell you a word to say and see if you can repeat it, see if there was kind of an intelligence there between us and the spirit realm. Um, so I think the word that I asked it to say was pineapple, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it yeah. was pineapple. So I said, can you repeat the word pineapple? And clear as day, uh, this voice came straight back and said, pineapple. And we were like, wow, that was unbelievable. And I think we did that for about 10 minutes, the three of us, just saying random words. Uh, one of them was, can you tell me the object that Nando's wearing on his head? And you had a, a cap on. Yeah. And yeah. I think the word cap straight away came They're, they're actually, um, guys, if you want to see those footage, they're actually on our Facebook page on the Reels. If you go through the reels, they are on there um, and you can see because we were doing it for quite a while. We we're going around in a circle yeah. and Nikki, because I think there was like parts of a mannequin there as well, wasn't it? And it was a hand. There was. And I yeah, think you was... said, what am I holding? And it said hand. And it was, yeah. you know, it was quite, it was amazing because it was really quick. Like the responses were coming through quite quickly, weren't they? To, you know, to the, what you're asking. And based on, you know, intelligent responses, do you feel that spirits are intelligent? You know, do you think they understand what's going on around them now? Or do you think they've learned since passing into the other side? 
do you think they've developed as we've been doing these investigations, watching us, what we do, and that's how they understand what to do? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think they they are very, very intelligent. Um, I think there's a lot more out there that kind of, they're used to having paranormal investigators in week in, week out, investigating the locations that they haunt. And, and a lot of them just, you know, they're not interested in talking anymore because they know what they're doing. They're so intelligent. Um, and I think for some of the ones that give us direct responses to what we're asking, uh, again, also just shows how intelligent they can be. Yeah, I think one example was that at Fort Whitley with the gentleman that come with us, with his partner, yeah. and he was a sceptic, wasn't he? And then things were starting to come through, and you see the change of how intelligent those responses were, but then how quick he sort of, again, how quick his perception changed of the paranormal field. Yeah. Because you know, he had direct contact with a family member, didn't he? Um, yeah. And that's quite amazing. And with regards to yourself, have you ever gone into this and been at a location where you feel something's come through that's for you, not based on the location that you're at? Um, not yet. I'd say not yet. There's So for, I've been quite fortunate that um, I've not really suffered much loss in my, my past life with family members and mm. having people to try and communicate with me. So up until recently when I lost some family members, it's not really been anyone to directly communicate with me. Um, I've stuff happen I've had stuff happen at home with direct responses from, from family members that have gone, which has just absolutely blown my mind. Um, but I think one thing that definitely stands out is uh, a friend of ours who's now moved up north. Um, she was investigating with us at Fort Whitley in Portsmouth. And I was sat around a table and I've never really seen a actual spirit quite close up. But, you know, you see things in the distance and think, oh, is that my eyes playing tricks with me? Mm. Um, and we were sat around a table um, with a couple of the guests and I saw this face appear right between me and her, like really, really close. And I gave a, an accurate description of exactly what I saw. Um, and the way that I described it was Victor Maldrew uh, from One Foot in the Grave. It kind of had the white hair on the side, bolding on the top. Um, and I explained to them, I said, oh, I've just seen this face and this is what it looked like. And she turned her phone around to me and went, does it look like this person? And it was a spitting image of the person that I'd seen, which was her dad. And it turned out it was the anniversary of his death. And that moment there was, you know, she got really emotional and it kind of, it was quite touching to kind of be part of that experience with her. Brilliant. So there's definitely stuff have happened that has been like the well factor for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have a question online um, from Sarah Guy. Where is the place that you have most been scared oh um again i would probably say hmp shrewsbury is somewhere that's quite scary but i guess when you're in a building that's got hundreds of prison prison cells either side of you you constantly feel like there's eyes looking at you i think that's just a natural reaction that anyone would have even in the daytime walking around there you think people are watching you um that always kind of had me scared every time we visited there but I'd say the most scariest location for me is one that we go to quite often in our spare time, um, the mausoleum in Hampshire. Um, okay. I just I, I absolutely hate it there. Cannot I just feel so uneasy and on edge every time we go there. Obviously, I've not been there for about a year now. I refuse. But I've always made it my ambition that I will go and spend a good few hours on my own there one night. I've got to do it just, just to kind of get that little bit of closure and also just to put yourself on edge and get that kind of fear factor kicking in a bit just to see if anything happens. Because I do think fear plays a massive part in whether you get any uh, communication or not. If you go in somewhere feeling relaxed, comfortable, 
you know, you're not you're not on edge. You're not looking out for anything. I don't think you get much communication. I think you've got to have that level of kind of fear that goes with it. But it's like you are stepping into the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. And like even with us now, I don't. Maybe it's more me because. But with any investigation that we go to, you know, it's you, you don't know what to expect. Every evening is different. Like from the evening that we just had at Manor Farm was yeah. phenomenal. You know, especially the barns. You know, it was absolutely every team picked up something very similar. And then you have other times where it, there's nothing. So you don't know what to expect. Um, yeah. You know, and you're saying about when you go to the mausoleum, um, you feel unease. Now, do you think you feel unease yourself or do you think something's making you feel on the edge? Do you believe um, the spirit can make you feel what they potentially are feeling themselves? Yeah, I'm not too sure, actually. Not too sure. I, I think it's more of a personal thing. I, I'm not sure why. It, it Maybe just the first ever time we went there, I think it's just got such a dark aura to the place. And there's kind of just gravestones all over the place. The mausoleum building itself is just massive. It's haunting. You've got kind of woodland surrounding it so you can hear you know, branches crack, leaves rustle, all of that kind of, it's just got that real spooky feeling to it. Um, and also because I know that if something happens, it's a long way to run back to the car. I think that's the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, it is a weird place. You know, it's yeah. weird. You know, you're walking in a normal street where families live and then suddenly you're in the, the, the grounds of the mausoleum and it just sort of gives you a totally different sort of vibe. Mm. Um, you know, so and that's the thing with locations. Do you are there any other locations that you've ever been to that have made you feel like that? So you're saying about Shrewsbury. Um, yeah. you know, what about other locations like you know that we've done over the well over the last couple of years now? Um, any of them made you feel like that at all? Any particular ones? Yeah. Um, again, another one that we kind of just visit in our spare time, Clapham Woods. Um, I've only been there once, and that that feeling that I had there was was very very bizarre you can kind of hear people walking around you there's there's kind of stories about kind of animal sacrifices and all of these dark rituals that have taken place there and it just just fills you on edge before you even get there and when we went there the one time it's yeah it's not a nice place um for our main kind of indoor areas uh Merley house that basement that gets me every time we go there that's why when we put the cameras up I make sure there's always a camera down there and we've caught some amazing evidence there which kind of backs up that theory that that basement is something very very strange um 30 East Drive uh I find that that's kind of hit and miss but the minute that I walk in through that front door there's just something about that house it kind of it puts your hair on it yeah your, your hair stand up on end um it's, it's, yeah, it's a very bizarre place. Yeah, 30 East Drive is a very odd. The house is very odd, everything about yeah. it. But um, there's a lot of stories. There's been a lot of televised shows about East Drive, you know, yeah. about the, the monk, the poltergeist. You know, what, what do you feel? Do you believe it's, you know, poltergeist activity in that house? Because we spent a night there and, you know, a few things did come up. But coming out of it, what was your thought afterwards? You know, do you believe... Like we've watched it on TV, and they've there's a lot of stories surrounding that house. What do you think based on after your investigation? So I would say I kind of wish that I didn't watch the TV programs and the film before I went there, um, because I think that played a massive part on the anticipation and the nervousness of going there. Um, 
I think even without watching them, I would have walked in on edge because it's just the feeling of the house itself. It's just got that weird feeling. But I think that it's been invested. It gets investigated every single day. You know, all throughout the year, there's a paranormal group in there all the time, or there's people in there investigating all the time. Um, and I think the energies can drain quite quickly of these spirits that are kind of, you know, I think a, a good representation of it is if everyone ever seen the TV program Ghosts that's on TV all the time, and you've got the one character that's the poltergeist out of all of them that takes so much effort for him to make any kind of physical movement or, you know, play a key, a key on the piano, it takes so much effort for them to do that, so much energy that they need. And I just don't think that um, they've got much left in there. There may have been poltergeists in the past. There's people that have reputed to have seen the spirits and seen stuff move. Um, but I just think they need a break as well. And sometimes, you know, these groups go up there and we've been on there a couple of occasions and just sat there eating food, watching TV for most of the night because not much has happened. No, definitely. And you're saying about the amount of times that we investigate a certain location. Um, mm. Do you think that, it drains the energy or do you think that the spirits can choose to sort of switch off to what we're doing say we're doing this too much now so we don't want to interact with you do you think that they can make that choice yeah i think they can make the choice and i also think that the energy that the group put into it plays a massive part as well um we, we kind of say at the beginning of all our investigations if you all just stand in a room holding hands saying nothing spirits aren't going to really talk to you but i think if everyone goes in with that positive attitude um, you know, that good mindset, the spirits are going to be more receptive to talk to you. And I think Manor Farm, just gone at the weekend, was a perfect example of that. Um, every group had loads of activity. And I think the the one big group we had of about 14 people was a, a birthday party group. Right. They were all excited. The, you know, they were really positive about doing stuff. And I think that the energy that they brought to the, the groups uh, played a massive part in it as well. So you think the more energy that's been built up around the location you know that's going to play a big part in the activity that we pick up at the end of the well during yeah. the evening yep definitely so brilliant um so we've got the texas raft chat hunters yeah thanks for joining Hello. um brilliant so we're talking about locations um you know just to mention we want to go back to Marley. we we are actually heading back to Marley on the 18th of november friday the 18th yep. of november um, so guys, anyone that's around that area, you know, definitely, if you want to experience what we've experienced, you know, definitely book a ticket, you know, what kind of thing can you say about Merley House? Just to give them a bit of insight. So I think with Merley House, um, not many groups investigate there for starters, which is good. You don't get loads of groups in there week in, week out. Um, the paranormal groups that go in are kind of once in a blue moon throughout the year, which is good for us. Um, and I think the the long windy road that you drive to get to the building, you kind of you go up through the dark windy road, and all of a sudden you see this absolutely gorgeous, beautiful kind of mansion house, um, which is amazing. As, as you probably see from the pictures, anyone that's watching on our website, you can see the pictures of it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's so many massive rooms in there for us to investigate, and that basement is it's like a some form of portal. It's, it's amazing. The minute you walk down through the stairs, through the kitchen area. And turn the corner into that basement it's dark it's creepy um it's just got all the things that you would expect uh, of a, a haunted location so to speak um and also it's got the history as well so we don't really say too much about the history of the place but it's mm. got such an amazing history there that tends to kind of come or shines a light throughout the evening when the guests pick up on what's happened there 
Brilliant. And, you know, going back to equipment wise, you know, we've used a lot of equipment. And again, there's lots of ifs and buts about equipment. Everyone has different beliefs. You know, one of the things that seems to be commonly used between a lot of people now is necrophonic. Yeah. You know, um, what's your thoughts on it um, with necrophonic and apps like mobile apps? What, what do you think of them? So I, I started off very negative about mobile apps. Um, because when you look at the description of them, they say, oh, we draw upon EMF and, and stuff like this. Whereas there's no kind of thing on your phone that can pick up on EMF and stuff like that. So it straight away kind of goes, hmm, it's just a random word bank and stuff like that. But, the you know, there's coincidences. And some of the things that come through on that Necrophonic app are just so perfectly timed that you kind of, it makes you question it. And when I mentioned about the experience that I had in my own house with a family member that's passed away, that was using that app just at the spare of the moment in the house. Uh, we heard a noise. Um, I'll probably be in trouble here, but my daughter was with me. She's like, oh, let's put the app on. Let's see if you can hear any voices because the kids absolutely love it. Um, and yeah, and, and I heard a voice come through that's the exact same voice as, as the person I was expecting it to be. The message that came across was exactly timed at the right time. Um, so yeah. You know, I'd like to say I believe in them, but I do. So, and and getting into the, you know, we're, we're fathers. You know, we both got kids, and you know, we over the time that we've started this, we've had inquiries about. It seems younger youth are getting more intrigued, mm. or you know, they're they're starting to want to know more about the paranormal field. What's your feel on that? Do you think it's good to get kids involved? Or do you think it's better to leave them and let them grow before they start delving into the unknown? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think, obviously, when, when we were growing up, I sound like a really old man now, even though we're not. Um, for us growing up, things like the paranormal and TV programmes linked to the paranormal, usually usually we're on TV at like 9, 10 o'clock at night when kids are in bed. So kids were never really exposed to it too much back then. Nowadays, you've got the likes of TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Um, there's so many YouTubers now that kind of appeal to the younger generation, uh, to, to, you know, to the kids, introducing them to things like Ouija boards and how investigations run. So I'm now of the opinion that I think it's an ideal time to educate educate younger people into the safe use of these equipment because, you know, I always hear of old old stories from like my mum and people like that that when they were younger they found a Ouija board and went and played with it in a churchyard and it all kicked off and you know it's not it wasn't safe what they were doing so it's an ideal opportunity for us to kind of promote these in the right way um and, and kind of get them more interested in it because they're our future investigators so the younger they start the more they learn the better they become when they're kind of our age and you're saying about doing it in the right way so if you was to have, say if you had an event next weekend and it's a group of young children how would you ensure that we do this in the right way how would you manage that event with young so people? i think i think firstly onboarding with the parents is the key thing you know we need to have people that uh, are willing for their children to take part in these kind of lessons shall we say or these experiences um and i think the first part of any event with a group of younger people is to uh, educate them on the equipment what it does how we use it how to open it close it effectively um, just making sure they know what it is and how it's used. Um, I wouldn't kind of put them straight in the deep end and say, right, we're going down the tunnel, a haunted tunnel. We're going to get the Ouija board out. 
um, and let's let's have a play with it and see what happens. Nothing like that. I think it's all about making sure that people are comfortable with it. They understand it. If they don't want to do it, they can walk away at any point um, and definitely not take them to somewhere where we're expecting stuff to go, you know, to go absolutely crazy, shall we say. Um, a nice kind of subtle location with a little bit of a feel to it. So I probably wouldn't say somewhere like Fort Whitley where there's haunted dark tunnels that are cold, you know, sharp walls in case they start running. It'd have to be a nice place. Like Manor Farm would be ideal because it's kind of yeah. a big area. It's got that little feel to it. Um, so, yeah. Brilliant. We do have uh, another question for you. Um, and I think it's it must be from the Texas Rough Hunters. Um, they're asking what the Ouija, what do you think about the Ouija board? Because it's got a bad rap to it. You know, what are your feels when people want to use the Ouija board? So I, I, I personally don't use them. Um, I've got them in the house, obviously, to take on investigations. And I think most of us have got one somewhere that we can take with us. Um, I don't use them because I, I don't personally believe in them that much. Um, I think anything like that where there's a human interaction um it can it can quite easily if you're kind of using the ouija board and somebody wants to play a prank on their friends which we've seen on countless times all it takes is a little bit of pressure from one person on that planchette and you can move it anywhere you want and it will look realistic yeah. um but i do think that there is a stigma to ouija boards i think people see too much on tv and think that it's going to catch on fire or they're going to then take a possession home with them um but i guess that's probably just down to my personal lack of experience with them that I've not seen anything negative or convincing come from one. And the thing with the Ouija board, and you again, this is based on your opinion, where, when you see it on the TV, on films, every time that a Ouija board is used, it's referenced with a demonic entity. Like, And I think a lot of people that use a Ouija board, they have that same feeling. Do you believe that the Ouija board, if something does come through, is not actually the person that you're communicating with. It's something totally different. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I mean, all I do know is that a lot of our guests that come to our events, the Ouija board is probably the biggest fear factor of nearly everyone. Other than people, you know, when we, we call them virgins, the first people that, people that have come for their first investigation with us, we split them off into their groups and we say, right, we've got a Ouija board. Do you want to give it a go? And the, the panic and the fear that sets in on their face because they've heard all of these kind of horrible reputations and stories about a Ouija board. Um, I think as long as they're done correctly and people are explained what they are, how they're supposed to work. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're as bad as people make them out, but I just I just don't touch them myself. It's your go-to experiment. No. Um, and this can be a thing with a lot of different experiments that we did, like the human pendulum, you know, do, do you think those sort of things when you're getting people more drawn in and more involved using their own bodies in a way to communicate with energy, do you think they, they work as well? So, you know, using the GANS field and things like that, what, what's your thoughts on those sort of experiments? Yeah, I, I definitely think the more energy going into something, the better output you're going to get the other way, if that makes sense. Um for me, the glass and marble that we do um, sometimes, so for people that aren't aware, obviously just a normal board, it doesn't have to be a Ouija board, it could be any kind of table, a marble with a glass on top of it. When you get everyone's fingers on top of that glass and that marble starts moving on a flat surface, to me, no one's touching that marble and that's more convincing than a planchette with our own fingers on it. Um, so, yeah, I think the more energy that goes into these things, 
the, the more likely you're going to be to get a, a positive output at the other end. And, you know, again, we're, we're looking at the paranormal as a whole. You know, there's different aspects to the paranormal. And one thing, again, a lot of people look at is mediums, spiritual mediums, you know, um, psychic mediums. What what do you feel about them? Do you believe that that they play a part? Do you, do you believe that they're true to what they do? Or do you think they're not real? Yeah. What's your so, belief? So, so this is another kind of growing up watching paranormal TV programs. There was also a lot of TV programs back then as well with mediums on TV with a large group of audience with stuff happening. Um, so it's always something that I've been interested in. But as I mentioned earlier, where I've not really had anyone in a family sense to kind of communicate with via a medium, the validity of it, I can't confirm. But I would say that I've seen mediums live um, and we've had mediums on some of our investigations and some of the stuff they pick up appears to be, you know, bang on. Like we know a lot of the history of most of the places we investigate. Yeah. And when we take a medium with us, it picks up on something that they don't know about. To me, that's kind of quite convincing that, you know, that they can communicate. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of more in favour of a medium. I believe a lot of what they, they do and say, um, but I still need that kind of, that personal kind of thing for myself to happen to, to kind of say yes, so definitely. I think that's the thing because you you got to trust in what you're seeing, what they're telling you. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a trust factor. Um, and going back to, you know, being a paranormal investigator, you know, what, what would you say are the key things that is impo most important about being a good paranormal investigator? Wearing the right shoes for you. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you want to quickly tell them the story? You've got to tell them the story now before I can. Okay, on. so um, I think, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. We were at Wavering Manor in Portsmouth. And <laughs> the gist of it, I was walking up and down and I was noticing people were laughing at me. Didn't get it to start with. And then Dan, and I think it was Glenn, one of the guests that was with us, uh, switched on the lights and they both come up to me and they had two different pairs of shoes on, basically. So, so that's number one in the, in the rule book. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that you've got to have a good open mind um, with, the, with the investigations. You've got to have some passion for the paranormal. You've got to be interested in what's happening um, and to try and find out the stories. And obviously for us, we do a lot of our stuff with guests that come along. Um, I must be sure on that. Yes, the shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a lot of guests that come along. So, you, you know, you've got to be considerate of other people's beliefs as well. Um, and you've got to be willing to kind of put your knowledge out there to them so they can learn from you. And, you know, what about going in with the wrong mindset? So do you believe that, every location that we go to you have to be respectful to whatever it is there you know going in being forceful being you know abusive we, do you think that's the wrong way of doing it or do you think standing your ground is a way of doing it as well um yeah i think there's a difference between standing your ground um and kind of being disrespectful um to the spirits i think you've sometimes uh, i wouldn't say antagonize maybe a little bit of provoking or poking just to try and get that reaction. Um, I think there's many locations to go to where we know a certain word or a certain action will potentially trigger the response from a, a certain kind of spirit. Um, and, and we're trying to show these guests that spirits are real and the ghosts are real. So I, I, I certainly for kind of a little bit of you know friendly provocation, but 
definitely not the kind of you see it a lot on kind of YouTube channels and disrespectful um, comments and stuff towards spirits that haunt buildings. Kind of we're going into their area, especially when we're going to a house or a building. That's where they haunt, and that's where they you know they may be a residual spirit that was based there. So for us to go into their area, be disrespectful and expect them to communicate with us, it's no surprise a lot of people don't get any response. So again, it's sort of they make the choice and if we're not giving out the right response, they're going to not communicate. Um, And with things like, you know, we're talking about spirits and their abilities and what they can do, possessions, attachments. Do do you believe spirits can actually attach themselves to certain people? You know, do you think that takes place? Yeah, I think it does. And, And again, this is purely just from what I've seen you know during my time in the paranormal um we, we've had people reach out to us as a company begging us for help because they've had attachments that have stopped them sleeping that's caused their health to, to kind of go downhill um so i definitely think there's stuff out there like that that can happen um again for me i'm not very sensitive um to stuff so i don't ever kind of get the attachments or the possessions um but but when i've seen it happen it's quite scary um you know the toll it can take on people and i believe it definitely happens and do you think religion plays a part in the paranormal um yeah 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 definitely i think if you're um yeah more open to this kind of stuff you know through a religious belief um then yeah more more is more likely to happen for you for sure and you know again another common question that i like to ask is the paranormal i didn't realize how popular it was until i got involved with pttp basically um but when when you started telling your friends and family what you're getting into and then the fact that you've started your own company what was the kind of responses that you got from people it's, it's an interest i was going to bring i was going to kind of bring this up at some point tonight to be <laughs> fair um there's there's definitely a stigma attached with ghost hunting paranormal investigations even to this day when i tell people at work or friends that kind of didn't know about this kind of taboo of a hobby of mine you get the same old remarks of oh what do you do do you put a blanket on and then jump out at people and you know or they don't understand what they are they ask do you take them for a ghost walk and tell them stories um you always get the people that try to take the mickey out of you you know oh ghosts aren't real you don't believe it but i would say um a half those people that make those comments wouldn't spend half the time we do in some of the locations we do. Um, you know, so they can, they can slate you as much as you want or take, take the mickey out of you as much as you want, but they wouldn't do it themselves for starters. And I'd also say there's so many people that come to me privately outside of a group setting and say, actually, I'm quite invo- interested in the paranormal. I'd like to know a little bit more. Um, it happens all the time. Like even tonight I've been with my, my football group and they say, oh, where are you going now? And I say, I've got to go home and do a podcast for my paranormal company. And they say, oh, that's a, that's a joke. And then one of them says, actually, I'm interested. Can you send me the link? I'm a bit, you know. So there's so many people out there that are interested in it that just don't vocalise it enough. And I think that's something that we definitely need to promote is, you know, there's, there's such a massive following for the paranormal, but people keep their mouths quiet because they don't want to be laughed at or the mickey taken out of them. Just let it out. Come and join us. Have fun. Yeah, well, we... We, we always say when you do your openings at every event, one thing you always say is, is your investigation, but we want you to have fun as well. Um, do, you, do you think a lot of people shy away to it? Not to be rude, you know, they take the mick, 
but it's not because they're actually taking them out. Do you think it's more because they're scared of what they could potentially walk into and what, what they can find? Yeah, I think I think it's a mixture of both. Um, you know, we we had an event last year where there's a couple of people from what my work who kind of wanted to know more about it, but they started off taking the mickey of it and we brought them along to an event and I think they had an absolutely amazing night. They were very sceptical at the start very kind of jovial like oh this isn't going to be fun and then the minute that stuff starts happening as soon as we start getting activity you see them kind of go oh i can't explain that how did that just happen and and that's one of the most my most favorite things that ever happen on events are when we get skeptics that come along something happens that they can't answer and they go okay that's interesting so yeah we we had that saturday as well um when we we're at manor farm uh, a gentleman come with his partner and he was like yeah didn't think anything was going to happen and he spent most of the night getting all the responses and it was he sort of took it over because it was like it was communicating with him and it was funny that again it's great to see someone's you know their initial thought process on what we're doing from the start of the evening to the end of the evening that they're coming to us and saying well we'll see you at the next event and it's great you know yeah um you know with regards to the stigma around the paranormal do you think part of it is because Unfortunately, there is people that play to the audience and, you know, that puts people off coming. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think that um, there's a lot, a lot that you see. The problem is obviously TV and media. There's a lot that you see on the phones, on the TV that people watch it and go, that's BS. That's not happening. That's not real. But all I could say to these people are come and experience it for yourself. Come and spend the night with us. Um, you don't have to stay for the whole six hours or seven hours or even when we do our sleepover events. Just come and stay with us for a couple of hours, see how we do things, and then tell us if you believe it or not after that because a lot of the time stuff happens and these people leave kind of baffled, shall we say. And I think what we do as well, um, and I think it's a great thing that you do at a lot of the events, is you set up cameras around each of the hotspots of the locations and you yeah. just leave them running throughout the evening, <laughs> even if there's no one in the room. You know, yeah. and even through that, because that's how you picked up some of the evidence at Merley House, was it? Yes. It was just by chance. No one was in, like we had one from the staircase. You want to tell everyone about the staircase footage that you picked up? Yeah. And I think there's been so many occasions where stuff's happened that could have been caught on camera, but it didn't. And I try and explain to people, oh, this happened. And they go, all right, well, where's the proof? And you haven't got that proof. So I think having the camera set up at most of our locations not only gets people that aren't ready to come on an investigation physically, it gives them a kind of something to watch and understand what we're doing and also kind of participate in the investigation from home. Yeah. But it also is brilliant to capture some of the evidence that we've already caught, even if it is a complete pain in the arse to set up. <laughs> yeah, it, there, there's a lot of stuff to, you know, it is a lot to set up, you know, getting all the wires out. But then it's the fact that the the time and effort that it takes to go through all the footage as well. I think people don't realise it. it can be quite mind blowing to just sit yeah. there and try, you know, going through all the EVP recordings. And then when you're getting evidence, you want to just cut it down to the bits that you know are key to show people what we've picked up. Yeah. Um, but do you think it's important to document all the evidence that we pick up? Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, hundred um, percent. For people that have not been with us in an investigation before, we spend the last half an hour, fifteen minutes of an investigation back sat down together discussing what every group has got throughout the night and i think for us to kind of 
validate that some people have got the same experiences, even though they've not been with each other all night. So you get complete strangers that don't know each other that will sit there and say, oh, when I was in this room, um, I got touched on my left shoulder. And then somebody else will go, oh, hang on. I was sat in that exact same chair three hours later and I got touched on my left shoulder. And, and there's kind of things that link together that then make everyone leave with that feeling of, oh, OK, we've all had similar experiences tonight, which is perfect for us. It's perfect for them. And also it's an ideal opportunity to kind of understand the history and, and what's happened in these places a bit more. So we've got a question. Um, I apologise if I see your name wrong. Is it Vernum? So in France, we have a scientific research institute and spirit that has fascinating results. Do you have a research institute in your country? So I'm not mm. sure one personally, but... No, I, I can't think of any kind of institutes that sparked in my mind but i do know there's like a lot of kind of universities have got their own kind of paranormal studies and stuff like that i think um if you kind of remember the most recent ghostbusters film that's come out i think it was the one with the, the ladies in it one of them works at a, a an institute within a university doing their you know paranormal scientific stuff so i think there's a lot of these kind of more scientific institutes within universities and places like that that Nothing that speaks to sparks of mind as a, a paranormal specific institute. Perfect. Someone watching may be able to tell us. I've not heard of one. Yeah, I've not heard of an institute. Like the only one that I can think of is the, well, it's not even a, an institute, it's like the Haunted Antique Research Centre in Hinkley. Yeah. You know, and that, that's quite a fascinating place that we went to. Um, and it has different, what's it, um, pieces in there, but nothing that sticks out to mind like an institute. No, and I think Neil and Jane that work there, they do a lot more kind of the scientific stuff. They do a lot more kind of research for the paranormal society, which is good. So, yeah, they're, yeah. they're kind of down that, that line. Perfect. Um, and then we've got a question from Jane. What area are you in? So I'll let you answer that. So, we well, we're, we're based across Hampshire, um, other than Nikki, who's down in Brighton area. Um, but we don't specifically just stay around here. We like to travel all over the UK investigating. Uh, we've done Leeds, we've done Manchester, we've got one booked in Wales. Um, so yeah, we may, we may be based on the South Coast, but we go all over the place. Yeah, you know, we're trying to, there's, there's loads of different places that we can go to. And, you know, is there the, you know, if money wasn't an object and, you know, anywhere that you can go for a paranormal investigation, where is your go-to place if you jump on a plane or wherever tomorrow? So I think a lot of people say it, but Alcatraz would be absolutely amazing to go onto the island and do an investigation at the prison there. But I think I would just generally love to go to America and just do a tour of penitentiary, penitentiaries, haunted asylums, just some of these kind of Hinsdale House. I'd love to go to the Hinsdale House and spend a night there. Um, so I think America as a whole is my my aim. In the UK, um, Newsham Park Hospital, I'd quite like to go there. I've heard a lot of good reports about that place. Um, and more, I guess, a lot of the locations you can't really gain access to, um, you know, English heritage places that kind of don't open the doors to paranormal groups. Um, Dover Castle would be one that would be really, really good to go to, um, which is an option to look into, I know. Um, so, yeah, but America is my my bucket list to go and visit. Brilliant. Um, and we've got another question. I'm not sure who it's from, but they've asked, what is your procedure on bringing on in new members? 
Um, so I guess when we talk about team members, um, there's not really a procedure as such. Um, we, we've got a massive team at the moment. We, we lost a few staff members and we've kind of gained some new members. Um, it's worth giving them a shout out, I guess. So we've got Luke who's doing all of our kind of videos and pictures on the events. You'll see him at most events. Um, and then we've got uh, Marianne and Paul who have just joined the team as well, who have been on investigations with us as paying guests showing uh you know a good interest in the paranormal um i guess all we ask for is people that are kind of flexible to travel kind of local to us because we like to do a lot of stuff off camera without guests just as a group we're like a family aren't we i think you could say uh you know we go out and do stuff socializing um and just yeah having a keen interest in the paranormal um and that's it good customer service skills to deal with our team and our customers that come i i think that's I think that's why we've got such a good group because everyone plays a key part in what yeah. we do, you know, from, you know, just to give a shout out to everyone, really, you know, we've got yeah. Lauren, your Lauren, uh, we've got Jojo and Sean, uh, we've got little Joe, um, Nikki, and then Sarah. And then, as you mentioned, Luke, Marianne and Paul. And it's just great because everyone just, you know, come together and Dave. Oh yeah. Sorry, oh, Dave. Dave. Yeah, Dave. Um, but everyone, you know, really gets on. And I think what works for us is because we respect each other for what we believe and the experiments that we do. And I think you feel that that's a key part, everyone respecting each other and, you know, valuing each other as an individual. Yeah, I think you've also got to have that trust that, you know, these people are going to be there to back you up and, and, and help you out. Um, but, yeah, I think having the respect for each other, um, we've got people within our team that have got different beliefs, um, different skill sets. And it's amazing for me at the beginning of the event to know that I can match two people together from any one of our team members. And our guests are going to have a fantastic night with whoever they get paired with. So, yeah, trust, respect and just good positive vibes between us all makes all of our events run really, really well. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we always have a great time. Um mm. But, you know, we, we, we've spoken about a lot, um, you know, with the paranormal going forward, um, you know, what do you see forward for Port to the paranormal? Like, is there anything that you've got planned that you can share a little bit with us? Um, well, obviously, we've mentioned earlier on about some more kind of junior experiences. I'd love to kind of get something in the pipeline where we can invite some families along with children, not children as such, but, you know, teenagers maybe that have got an interest because as you mentioned earlier we've had so many people that have reached out to us that have said oh my son would love to come along to an event but they can't go until they're 18 and, and stuff like that so you know some kind of um, education sessions for some of our younger fans and followers it's definitely something that I'd like to get in the pipeline um, and some more kind of, of the social media stuff um, you know maybe some more events without guests where it's just us team members getting some experience because people need to remember that even though you guys are coming and doing paranormal event investigations with us and the company, you're still working at the end of the day and you guys need a break as well. And you need to let your hair down and have an, an investigation on your own without having to worry about looking after guests. So a lot more events without guests when it's just us lot going and doing our own thing for definite. Yeah, I think um, Sean's just saying as well, um, he's had a few people asking about um, juniors attending with, with, parents and i must say we have had a few parents that have made contact with us that have actually brought their children with them 
and they they've they've had a, a great time you know with the feedback that we got so mm. i think it's a very good thing to like you were saying earlier on as long as we're doing it in the right way um yeah. you know that's uh absolutely brilliant um so what we're going to do is just finish off um with the last question is basically events coming up um Firstly, I'm going to put a link here. So if anyone wants to check out our events, you can definitely um, do that. Head to our internet page. Um, but yeah, Dan, do you want to share out with people with the upcoming events, um, what we've got planned? Yeah, so um, I say we. Nando has been very busy in the background preparing us for next year, getting our events booked. Um, we've got some of our usual favourites. So we're going to be going back to Merley House a couple of times. Fort Whitley, 30 East Drive, Manor Farm, um, all of our kind of regular locations that we like to visit. Um, but we've also added some, uh, did we count the other day? Was it six new six. locations for next year? Yeah. So yeah. we're going to be going to Shire Hall um, County Museum, which is in Dorchester, uh, down near Weymouth Way. We've got No Fort, which is in Weymouth as well. So we're going to be spending the night at the fort. Um, we've got an amazing location that we're going to be announcing hopefully soon for Halloween next year. Um, me and Nando are going to do the visit next week. And as soon as we get more information on that, we will share it with everyone. But I think we're all very excited for that one. Yeah. Um, we have got uh, the Castle Cottage in Salisbury, which is a small event for no more than eight guests. And I think we've only got two or three tickets left for that one um, at the moment. Um, the one that I'm most looking forward to is Nuns Cross hill nuns cross um in the middle of dartmoor so we've hired a creepy old hostel looking building with bunk beds no electricity just candle lights uh gas for us to cook food and that's it um and it's actually right in, the in the middle of nowhere when you look at it online yeah. i just want to throw in there dan it's just in the middle of nowhere there's nothing around it but this one weird house so that would yeah. be <laughs> that would be scary that one and there's been so many reports of stuff happening there, so I cannot wait for us to go and do that event. Um, and, yeah, the tickets are really dirt cheap for that. It's a sleepover event um, that you can come and join us with. We'll be providing food and snacks throughout the night and a nice comfy bed for you to sleep in. What more can you ask for? Um, just unfortunately, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be an amazing one. Uh, what have I missed? Which ones have I missed that are new? Uh, we got um, for our New Year um Starting off the new year, we're heading back to the Gosport, Gosport Military Hospital, so now yeah. known as Don Stiders and Gosport. Um, yeah. Brownlands Theatre that we got booked yeah. for July next year as well. So we, we've got loads of stuff going on. And, you know, do you want to just explain to people that haven't been on an investigation, you know, do you want to just give them a quick run through of what they can expect throughout the evening and how you see your evenings run? Yeah, so from, from our perspective as portal to the paranormal um all of our events we we as you probably see advertised we make sure we bring hot cold food drinks and snacks throughout the night that's free of charge it comes with your ticket price so when you come and spend six hours with us you get a nice pot noodle some crisps and biscuits drink and stuff like that for free um the events itself we try and get as maximum time with you getting hands-on and experiencing stuff at the location so when you arrive you'll have a quick kind of 20 minute uh, safety brief an introduction to the team and what we're going to be doing throughout the night and then you spend most of the rest of the night investigating we have a short break midway through the night for about half an hour and we make sure towards the end of the event you get free time as well so you don't have to stay in the group that you've been put with you can then go off on your own in smaller groups and do your own kind of investigation at the locations we go to 
Uh, you get to use all of the equipment that we we bring with us. So um, me and the rest of the team all bring equipment that's free for you to use, you know, to have a play around with, learn how it works. Um, and you get to spend the night with us. An amazing team. We're friendly. We're cheerful. We love having a good time. Um, and people always tend to leave smiling and, and, and happy. Yeah. So if you haven't been on an investigation and you do want to experience it, you know, we're, we're not the only ones out there, let's be honest. But, you know, we would love you to come and join us and experience the way we do things. And I think for us, we, we just like educating people as well. I think a lot of it is about educating people how to do, like you're saying, how to do things in the right way, you know, how to, you know, share your knowledge. Um, you know, so guys, there's our website. You can also head on to our Facebook page. All our events are put up on Facebook, you know, um, and definitely check out our, hopefully, our Halloween event for next year, because that's going to be a great, I'm hoping that will be a great venue for everyone to experience. Um, but yeah, we've got one last question from Sean. Have you got your PTTP tattoo yet? No. 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 Next Thursday, is it? Yeah, Thursday. <laughs> Next Thursday, me and Nando are going for our PTTP tattoo. We're going to get the um, the logo done in here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's next Thursday we'll be doing that. That'll be good. We'll put some pictures up, see yeah. which one of us backs out. It's not going to be uh, me. But, no. But, um, you know, I think we've asked you loads of questions, Anne. Thank you for taking the time out and answering questions online and speaking to us about everything that you've done and what we can expect. Um, for everyone that's watching, again, if you want to join us or if you've got any questions, you know, feel free to message us. One of the team members are always happy to answer any questions. So if you do want to join an event, but you're not sure, you know, and you want to ask some questions about it, then please. Um, I think Sean wants to join us for the tattoo. Oh, there we are. So, wow, we'll definitely speak about that after, Sean, definitely. Um, but, yeah, if you have any questions that you're uncertain about, you can message the um, PTTP page on Facebook in a private message, and one of us will definitely respond back. Um, you know, one thing I would want to end it, if you are nervous, just tell us on the night, and we always adapt our evenings to suit different, because we have had experiences where people don't like certain experiments, you know, so we're happy to accommodate that, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, 100%. 100%. As long as the people that are coming are having a good night, um, then that's then that's not a problem. And there's always enough of us at every event that if somebody wants to go off and do something completely different, if they're not comfortable, there's enough of us team members to go around that we can go and do some one-to-one -one, uh, tuition or one-to-one -one investigations with people that want to kind of break away. So, so brilliant. But um, thank you for everyone for watching tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, again, keep an eye out on our page for any updates of what we're going to do. And hopefully we see you guys soon. But for now, I'm going to say bye to everyone. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Cheers, Nando. Bye.